Listener Production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Monday, the 1st of March. Canberra has been rocked by another allegation of rape, this time involving a Labor politician. Victorian Liberal Senator Sarah Henderson says she received an email from a woman on Sunday claiming the federal Labor MP raped her in 1986. She has now forwarded the email to the Australian Federal Police. The latest allegation comes just two days after a letter was sent to the Prime Minister alleging a woman was raped as a teenager by a man who is now a senior Liberal Cabinet Minister. Copies of the anonymous letter were also sent to Labor's Penny Wong and Green Senator Sarah Hanson-Young. The alleged victim died last year. Here's journalist Amy Ramikas from The Guardian on the project. People want answers. They want to know what has happened, what is going to happen and who is taking any sort of responsibility for guiding people through this. I think you're going to see a lot of people asking a lot of very uncomfortable questions in the next couple of weeks and not necessarily getting the answers, which of course is going to do nothing for the public as it looks for leadership in this. Hundreds of thousands of AstraZeneca vaccines have now landed in Australia as the vaccine program continues to roll out. The 300,000 doses arrived on an Emirates flight yesterday and have been transported to a warehouse in Sydney for temperature checks and quality testing. Federal Health Minister Greg Hunt says these vaccines significantly boost Australia's stocks. It's the first of 53.8 million units of uh, the AstraZeneca vaccine to be uh, made available in Australia. Uh, Other shipments uh, will follow. The first Australian-made AstraZeneca vaccines will start rolling off the production line this month, ramping up to a million doses a week. While over to the US now, and another COVID vaccine is set to be rolled out with the one-dose Johnson & Johnson jab given emergency approval. Scientists from the Food and Drug Administration confirmed that the vaccine is safe and around 66% effective. That is lower than the Pfizer and Moderna jab. But Dr Anthony Fauci has told NBC in America... The vaccines can't be compared as they were tested at different times and they all provide strong protection from severe COVID disease. All three of them are really quite good and people should take the one that's most available to them. If you go to a place and you have J&J and that's the one that's available now, I would take it. I personally would do the same thing. I think people need to get vaccinated as quickly and as expeditiously as possible. And if I would go to a place where they had J&J, I would have no hesitancy whatsoever to take it. To New Zealand now, and Auckland is back in another lockdown after a case of community transmission of COVID with no known link. The seven-day lockdown was sparked by a positive case who had been infectious for about a week and had visited a number of venues, including a gym. It's believed the 21-year-old man has the more contagious UK variant and was out in public while waiting for test results. New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern says it's not time, though, to engage in a blame game. Our system has always had multiple layers to it because we know humans make mistakes. We also know, though that we will not succeed if we turn on one another or if we seek to place shame on people. And Tiger Woods is recovering in hospital after a second round of surgery over the weekend 
on his serious leg injuries that he suffered in that horror car accident in LA. In a statement, his team says the procedures were successful and the 45-year-old golfing superstar is in good spirits. Now for a look at what else is making news around the country this Monday morning. Firstly, to Sydney, and mystery still surrounds the details of what happened to businesswoman Melissa Caddick, who vanished three months ago. Police are now investigating a third location after a bombshell development in her disappearance on Friday. Our reporter Kim Bradish has more from Sydney. Yes, Tash, it remains a mystery how Melissa died after going missing three months ago. Bones have been found on another beach on the New South Wales south coast, near where the Sydney businesswoman's foot was found on Sunday last week. Melissa went missing just days after police raided her Dover Heights mansion following an ASIC investigation. Amid allegations, she stole millions from investors, including her friends and family. So first there was Melissa's foot, which has been linked to the DNA from her toothbrush. The next two discoveries haven't been linked to Melissa at this stage, and DNA testing could take a week. Human flesh washed up on a second South Coast location at Mollymook just days after the decomposed foot was found inside a shoe. Then on Saturday, bones were located at a third location at Kunjurong Point. Police are combing the third beachside location. Foul play hasn't been ruled out and officers say Melissa could have taken her own life, but police are keeping an open mind in the investigation. To Victoria now, and records have been broken across the country this summer. The weather in Melbourne over the weekend, a perfect example of the extreme temperatures we've experienced. Our reporter James Lake has more from Melbourne. Thank you, Tash. Yesterday was a great example of Melbourne's extreme weather. It was cold enough to have the heater going at breakfast time and then hot enough to have the air conditioner pumping by dinner. Of course, it was the last day of summer as well, as we wrapped up the season as one of our wettest and coldest in quite a while. How cold, you ask? It was actually our coldest summer since 2002 for all of Victoria. It was also our wettest summer in five years, with higher than average rainfall across all the state. And in January alone, an average of 66 millimetres was recorded, 68% higher than the average. It did great things for Melbourne's water supply as well, managing to stay well clear of thresholds for water restrictions, with dams sitting at about 73% full, and some regional dams have actually reached capacity. Meantime, North Queensland is on cyclone watch, with weather experts keeping a very close eye on a tropical low in the Coral Sea. Our reporter, Matt Layton, has the details. Tash, the watch zone stretches from Cape Flattery to Lucinda, with the system expected to intensify over the coming 24 hours. Once it forms, it'll bear the name Niren and could reach Category 2 strength by Wednesday. Right now, the system is 265 kilometres east of Cairns. The Bureau of Meteorology's Phelan Hanafi says even if the low remains well off the coast, we still might be in for some wild weather. Regardless, though, plenty of shower activity and squally showers and storm activity as well. So quite blustery conditions, even if that low remains well off the coast, it's going to remain pretty windy. QFS Acting Inspector Steve Wilson says we should consider what action we'll need to take if the cyclone threat increases. Just be prepared, have, have that kit ready for those things that you have to have with you and got to take with you. Always have a plan. For further info, check out disaster.qld.gov.au. 
for the latest in business and finance news this morning. We're joined by Peter Switzer from switzerreport.com.au. And Peter, an Australian cryptocurrency business has gone out of business, owing its investors millions of dollars. That's right, Tash, and it is risky business. ACX was a new cryptocurrency platform that grew on the back of Bitcoin's spectacular price surges and the public interest it has created. I can't believe the number of inexperienced investors who asked me if I like Bitcoin. Well, ACX failed a year ago, owing its 200 customers $10 million and has copped the life ban from the peak body for cryptocurrency businesses. As the AFR described it, this area of financial speculation called cryptocurrency is the investment world's wild west. And if you decide to trust the players in this very new and unproven market, you are taking a very big risk. You have been warned. Good advice. And the federal government, Peter, their rescue plan for the economy is working, but there could be a surprise $15 billion debt to pay off. That's massive. Yeah, that's right, Tash. The Morrison government has done a world-class job beating the coronavirus and killing the worst recession since the Great Depression of the 1930s. But it was thought the future debt costs of this helpful big budget deficit spending would be cheap because interest rates were historically low. Well, last week, money markets that set interest rates on our government bonds, which are used to raise money for Treasurer Freudenberg to spend on our economy, went up. And if they stay up, it could cost us taxpayers $15 billion over the next two years. As a country, we can afford it, but if these interest rates remain high, it will mean the PM and the Treasurer will soon stop paying Santa Claus and will start saying no to requests for government support. And Peter, retail sales are soaring. Some are saying they're the best they've been in 60 years, but a prominent retailer isn't prepared to pay back some of the excess JobKeeper payments the company has received. Some are saying it is not a good look. No, it surprises me. The only guy who really knows what retail sales have been like over the past 60 years is the 81-year-old founder of Harvey Norman, Jerry Harvey. The government-created economic boom has seen Harvey Norman's first half profit that ended on December 31 more than double. This nearly doubled the company's dividend paid to shareholders, and Jerry says sales have continued in January and December up over 20%. This is all good news, but Jerry is surprising a few people, refusing to pay back $3.6 million of the $22 million the business received in JobKeeper payments. He says it's a tiny amount and his company will pay a whole lot more in taxes to the government because of the sales boom. Other well-known businesses, Domino's Pizza, Cockley, Adair's Super Retail Group and Nick Scully have paid back some of their JobKeeper assistance. But the Australian says on Friday, Labor's Shadow Assistant Minister for Treasury, Andrew Lee, poured pressure on Jerry to pay up, so this controversy is not likely to go away soon. Certainly won't, Peter. Happy Monday. Thank you. Same to you. Time for Sport Now with Brett Thomas and Brett, an iconic AFL commentator, has called his last game. Yeah, good morning, Tash. That's uh, Bruce McAvaney. Quite a shock that came through last night. We're not sure exactly how long behind the scenes at Channel 7 had been talking to Bruce about whether he would call the footy this year, but uh, he's called more than a 1,000 games. We know that he's been battling leukaemia since uh, 2017. He first uh, revealed that, says that that is under control, and that's not the reason why he's stepping back his AFL commitments. Um, But, yeah, quite the shock Uh, last night. We'll still see him on Channel 7 this year, though. He'll be involved with their horse racing coverage and also the Tokyo Olympics as well. And we remember 
his call of Cassie Freeman in uh, 2000 and how special that was, as Bruce would say. So not the last we've heard from Bruce, but, um, yeah, quite a shock that he won't be calling an AFL game again. I hope not. We wish him all the best. He's such a great commentator. Uh, also making news today, Brett, the supercar season is underway and one man certainly dominated Mount Panorama over the weekend in Bathurst. That's right. It was a Shane Van Gisbergen. So we normally start the season in Adelaide at the uh, the old Clipsal 500, but now we move to Mount Panorama. So Bathurst getting two bites of the cherry. This is a, a different format of race. Uh, the Mount Panorama 500, just the, the one driver, of course, the Bathurst 1000 is 1,000 Ks, and we have uh, two drivers per team for that. And Shane Van Gisbergen was just absolutely uh, dominant uh, in terms of his pit strategy, in terms of his driving as well. There was a the middle part of the race yesterday at uh, at Bathurst. He said was the most fun and the best that he has ever driven. So you'd have to say that um, that was a, a big success. You wonder if it was uh, you know too much of a good thing going to Bathurst twice, but uh, certainly from what we saw yesterday and, and crowds rolling in as well, um, it was a, a big big success. It's great to see and a big win. Talking about good news for an emerging Aussie tennis star, Brett. Yeah, Alexi Poprin's won the uh, Singapore Open. And uh, look, he, he is a, a real talent, this kid. He, he's close to two metres tall. Um, he's got a massive serve. He's got a lot of weapons. So, uh, And also only 21 years of age. I think that he could be uh, a future star of, of Australian tennis, given all the talents that he has. And, and also his fighting qualities at the Australian Open. Uh, he won a five-sitter against David Goffin, a former top 10 player in the world, save four match points in that match and then goes to the Singapore Open where he's beaten uh, Alexander um, Bublik. He was a set down in that match, lost the first set 6-4 and then powered on to win in three sets. So some really good signs for Aussie tennis and and his idol was Leighton Hewitt and uh, and he said that that's how he wants to be known as a tennis player, as a fighter. So when you've got the weapons of a big serve and a big forehand and you can fight like like, uh, Leighton Hewitt, um, I think he's going to be a future star. Winning combination. Brett, thank you. Thanks, Tash. Checking the weather details around the country now for this Monday morning. Brisbane, partly cloudy today, top of 33. Mostly sunny today for Sydney, 33 degrees also. Melbourne, possible shower on the way, 21 degrees today. Warm day on the way for Canberra, sunny and 30. Showers increasing for Hobart, 21 degrees, the expected top. Partly cloudy for Adelaide, 26. Showers with a possible storm for Perth, 25 degrees today. And a warm day on the way as usual for Darwin, partly cloudy and a top of 32. And just a week out from the Tell All Oprah interview with Harry and Meghan, we've been given a little glimpse into the royal couple's new life. Prince Harry has opened up to US chat show host James Corden, saying he left his royal life to escape the British press, labelling the environment as toxic and destroying his mental health. The 36-year-old saying he needed to get his family out of the UK, adding he never walked away from the royals, rather he stepped back. Harry says he hopes he and Meghan can continue to do similar work in the US. My life is always going to be about public service and Meghan signed up to that and the two of us enjoy doing that, trying to trying to bring some compassion and you know trying to make people happy and trying to change the world in any small way that we can. Harry also revealed the Queen got her great-grandson Archie a waffle maker for Christmas and he's also said he's watched the hit Netflix series The Crown and says it's loosely based on the truth. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new Listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we'll see you tomorrow.
Kirchner.